Greetings and welcome conversationalists across America. I am back. Did you miss me? It's Eric Erickson here. My show, the phone number 877-973-7425 if you would like to be on the program today. Although I may not get to you, full disclosure, having been off the air for three days, and we'll get to all that that travel schedule with it all involved. It was a good but exhausting trip. Uh, I've got a lot of ground I've got to cover. And we need to spend uh, some serious time. There is so much news happening. Uh, and we got to revisit some of the stuff. Uh, thank you to Victor and Alan for filling in last week while I was gone. Um, went to Las Vegas and to Park City, Utah for conferences to give a round of speeches and sit on some panels. And it was great, exhausting, glad to be in my own bed, glad to be back home. And we will have to talk about raw sugar. <laughs> But first, but first, we have news of the day. Uh, and and let, let's just say, in all honesty, someone needs to do an intervention with the Democrats. I am increasingly worried about the Democrats. Things are not well. If you're a Democrat, uh, you, you thought there would be an abortion bump in the polls. There was, and then it went away. It went away in large part because the inflation numbers are just so bad. And now there is an absolute unequivocal meltdown over Joe Manchin. I wish to read for you a couple of key excerpts. If you got my morning email, you would have seen some of these excerpts. But it gets even worse. The headline is how one senator doomed the Democrats' climate plan. Let me just skip to the chase and get to John Podesta. This is an actual quote from an actual human being. It seems odd that Manchin would choose as his legacy to be the one man who single-handedly doomed humanity. John Podesta was a counselor to Barack Obama and to Bill Clinton. He's the founder of the Center for American Progress, the far-left think tank. It seems odd that Manchin would choose as his legacy to be the one man who single-handedly doomed humanity. Privately, Senate Democratic staff members seethed and sobbed on Thursday night after more than a year of working nights and weekends to scale back, water down, trim, and tailor the climate legislation to Mr. Manchin's exact specifications, only to have it rejected inches from the finish line. They didn't even get the tip across. Rage. Rage keeps me from tears. Senator Edward Markey, Democrat of Massachusetts and advocate of climate legislation, wrote on Twitter. Yo, we've got a lot of problems. The Democrats have bought into environmentalism 
as a religion. Michael Crichton, you know, warned of this back in 1993, that environmentalism was becoming a religion, unfalsifiable by faith beliefs that the world is going to end. Mankind is doomed, according to John Podesta, because Joe Manchin refused to go along with their climate legislation. Now, why? He didn't want to go along with it. Joe Manchin had two reasons for not going along with the climate legislation, and you need to understand what those two reasons are. Number one, inflation. We've already spent so much, and inflation is at a 41-year high now, 9.1%. It's even worse if you just take month-over-month spikes in, in, in inflation, which they don't do because the spikes and the ebbs and flows can be so wild. They take an annualized look at it, but it's not good. Joe Manchin is opposed to advancing the climate agenda because it would spend more money and cause more inflation. The other reason he is opposed is because he wants more production of American fossil fuels, and the left does not. And they wouldn't go along with some of what he wanted. You wouldn't know that from the reporting. They would not go along with some of what he wanted for production of natural gas to offset the burning of coal, and so he's out. Now, I need to read to you these two paragraphs from the New York Times. Mr. Manchin's refusal to support the climate legislation along with steadfast Republican opposition effectively dooms the chances that Congress will pass any new law to tackle global warming for the foreseeable future. At a moment when scientists say the planet is nearly out of time to prevent average global temperatures from rising 1.5 degrees Celsius over pre-industrial levels, that is the threshold beyond which the likelihood of catastrophic droughts, floods, fires, and heat waves increases significantly. The planet has already warmed an average of about 1.1 degrees Celsius. You know what they passed their climate legislation, it wouldn't stop anything from happening. You're not going to get India and China to contain themselves. You're not going to get energy or India and China to contain their energy needs. You're just not going to. Uh, Biden's economics or energy security advisor was on with Margaret Brennan on CBS's Face the Nation trying to explain why India and China would go along with Europe and America's energy demands. In the meantime, I want to ask you quickly about uh, the president's climate change efforts. This bill and his proposal is completely stalled right now. The president says he's going to take executive action. What is the plan? What are you going to actually do here in the United States? Well, I think we've tried to get a plan where we can incentivize, uh, create incentives for U.S. investment. oil and gas drilling. Right. You can't do some of those things because they would counter your efforts. Well, I think what we want to do in this in this bill that we have proposed and we are, we are hopeful that we still hope that that's what Congress does is to give the kind of incentive assurances that we can have additional American investment in climate, renewable energy, electric vehicles. Why wouldn't we want to do that? Why would we want to make to create an environment in which uh, China's ahead of us? The rest of the world is making the investments and we're not. We want to be able to put the kind of incentives that there'll be additional investment in the infrastructure for renewable energy, for solar, for, for wind, and for electric vehicles, and for our nuclear fleet. And for our nuclear fleet. 
And oh, China and Russia, they're going to go along with us because they're not. China is outpacing the United States on carbon emissions, and you don't hear the Democrats talking about that a whole lot. You just don't hear any real-world practical advice on how to do anything. Why would India or China comply? Well, first, uh, at the G7 a couple of weeks ago, the G7 endorsed this idea as a good idea. We're now starting to have the conversations with the major consumers. Uh, And I would ask the question the other way around. Doesn't every buyer try to get a lower price? So I think every buyer is incentivized to pay less. And I'll, I'll go a step further. Right now, regardless of what you see as the global oil price, that's not what Putin's getting. So these headlines about Putin getting a, a, some kind of a math between how much is he selling a, times the price of oil in the world, mm-hmm. that's not his revenue because he's already but agreed to he's still taking in money and he's discounts. still funding this war. So that's no, what we're that, trying to stop. I play that clip because that's the level of naivete that, that's going on here. Putin is not getting uh, the global barrel of oil price. He's getting a discount. So he's not getting as much, but he's getting a lot of money. China and Russia are buying it. So you've got Biden's energy uh, security advisor giving word salads on why Russia and India would go along with world demands to stamp out the use of fossil fuels and carbon and also a word salad on why they'll stop buying oil from Russia. All they've got is word salads. Folks, let me explain what's going on to you right now. Democrats cannot be honest They want us to upend our society. They want us to give up our way of life. And they believe if you don't go along with it, you are damning all of us to a fiery inferno on planet Earth. It has become a religious belief to them. Their eschatology, their their, their theology of the end times is very Christian. The world is going to burn. The difference is that in Christianity, you and I can accept Christ as our Lord and Savior, and we get off before the fireball comes. Theirs is, doesn't matter, we're all going to burn unless they shut the rest of us up, stop us from breathing, and do something to save the planet. They're not going to do it. They can't. They can't get the African nations not to improve. They can't get China and India to not improve. They can't do it. And so their idea right now is to punish all of us because these other countries won't stop. It's like all of the progressives attacking Herschel Walker, the Senate candidate in Georgia, who made the point that our clean air in the United States goes to China and China's dirty air comes here. In fact, though he did not articulate it in the way the smart people would like, he was telling the truth. Study after study after study after study after study has shown the way the jet stream works. Our clean air moves over into Europe and Asia, and the dirty air in China moves to the United States. You clean up our air here, all we're going to get is the dirty air from China. It's just the truth. And instead, what you have is these people saying that Joe Manchin is going to doom the planet. He's going to doom humanity. President Biden, according to CNBC, said on Friday he's going to move forward with his own efforts to combat climate change and curb greenhouse gas emissions after Manchin would not go along with it, but Biden offered no specifics. If the climate will not move to tackle the climate crisis and strengthen our domestic clean energy industry, I will take strong executive action to meet the moment. 
except can he after the Supreme Court decision? I'm not so sure he can. Sheldon Whitehouse, the idiot racist from Rhode Island, argued that the administration could impose a carbon border tariff on imports from countries with relatively worse greenhouse emissions, as well as require carbon capture from all major emitters and create stronger emission controls on cars, lightweight trucks, and heavy-duty vehicles. They want to ruin our auto industry. They want to drive up your prices. They want to make life more expensive for you. That's where they're headed. Hugo Gordon at the Washington Examiner has a piece out. The headline is The Real World Consequences of Green Extremism. Intolerant liberals keen to save the planet are ruining it, officiously preventing the poor from lifting themselves out of poverty, forcing wealthy nations to retreat from comfort and efficiency into backwardness and killing people by the hundreds of thousands. Humankind long ago acquired the technological ability to thrive in all climates, but citizens of the most advanced nations must now check the weather forecast to know if their fridges and household lights will work or be shut down in an electricity blackout. In Britain, overdependence on wind turbines built to cut carbon emissions leaves inhabitants at the mercy of the weather. When the wind doesn't blow, the economy doesn't work. In Germany, the world's fourth biggest economy, calm summer air means turbines stand idle, incapable of producing electricity and jacking up energy prices irrespective of the nation's equally asinine overdependence on gas from Russia. Excessively tight emissions rules, which amount to anti-farming policies, have triggered protests across Europe. This is similar to the attack that green zealots and the Democratic Party launched against American energy production at the start of the Biden administration. By shutting down energy leases and discouraging investment in the United States because of exaggerated and parochial climate concerns, the green oligarchy transfers production and wealth to dirtier producers overseas, such as Russia. The environmentalist extremists are becoming the religion of the left through the secularism of the left. Instead of worshiping the creator of all things, they're worshiping all things. Instead of worshiping the creator of the planet, they're worshiping the planet. And they believe that humanity is doomed because of Joe Manchin. Humanity is doomed because of Joe Manchin. This is all driving a great divide in the Democratic Party between God-fearing Democrats and godless Democrats. And the God-fearing Democrats are becoming Republicans. And the data is staggering, and I've got it. Folks, the signature hymn sheets from Bowling Branch are a bestseller for a reason. They use the highest quality threads on earth for a superior softness, a better night's sleep. The sheets are made with threads so luxurious, three U.S. presidents love them. They feel buttery to the touch. They're super breathable. Now, here's the thing. I can tell you this from personal experience. Every time you wash the sheets, they get softer. You know, people worry about thread counts for sheets. You need to worry about the quality of the threads. Bolin Branch uses fantastic ones. You can just feel them and they get softer and softer over time. They're very, very breathable for the summer, but they also have a good weight for the winter. They help you sleep well at night. They're not so light that you feel like nothing's on you. They 
They're they're the perfect weight. They're the perfect sheet from Bolin Branch. You'll immediately feel the difference with their iconic signature sheets. Right now, get 20% off site-wide during the annual summer event happening now only at BolinBranch.com. It's their best offer of the year before the holidays, so you need to act now. That's Bolin Branch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D Branch.com for 20% off site-wide. Phenomenal deal with phenomenal product. I'm telling you, we use them in our house. Long before I was a broadcast reader, we use Bowling Branch. You should too. Bowlingbranch.com for 20% off site wide. Hi there. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-973-7425. Should you wish to be on this here program? I listen, I so I've got the data. This is a a short segment because I went long in the last segment, and so I will get to it here in a moment on this uh, the godless versus the God-fearing Democrats, and it's driving Hispanic and black voters towards the GOP. We'll get there, but speaking of white people, (laughs) speaking of white people, so I had to go to Las Vegas and to Park City, Utah. Uh, Very beautiful places, by the way. Park City was gorgeous but it's like 8,500 feet you go up a flight of stairs and, and you're huffing and puffing um but i i'm noticing this trend in coffee houses like i don't like star i, I don't like if i gotta go to starbucks i'll go to starbucks but i don't like starbucks uh, uh local coffee shops are always better the coffee is better uh in large part because the demand at starbucks is so high they essentially that they, they they burn their coffee it, it, they, they rush through it it's not a good process it's not great coffee. Find a local coffee shop if you can. They're always better at coffee and espresso, but really coffee. But I'm noticing a trend. Raw sugar instead of just standard white granulated sugar. It's raw sugar everywhere. Y'all, raw sugar is to white people what a Black Lives Matter sign is in their yard. They feel like they're doing something for themselves and the environment without actually doing anything. I mean, like the, the so our, our office, WSB, we're, we're by Ansley Park. Uh, in fact, the only, the only coffee shop I've ever been in where I've been asked to leave because of who I am was a Starbucks there where I was asked to leave that the, 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 the locals felt intimidated by my presence. I'm not making that up. I was asked to stand outside to wait for my coffee. I did. I mean, I didn't want to make these people like ruin their day by being there. But this area, everybody's got Black Lives Matter signs in the yard. They're all a bunch of rich white people. They're not doing anything. They're not giving money to any cause. They just got the sign in the yard like, please don't burn my house down when you riot. I'm with you. Raw sugar's the same way. It, it, It doesn't dissolve as well. It doesn't sweeten as well. But it flavors. It's such a good flavor. And it's good for the environment. It's so much better than the refining of the granulation. Doesn't do the purpose that sugar's supposed to do. I just want a little bit in my coffee to sweeten it. I don't need it to change the flavor profile of the coffee like the raw sugar does. The whole thing is obnoxious and and white people in small coffee shops they now have raw sugar everywhere which doesn't do as good because it's better for the environment like the black lives matter sign in their front yard just drives me crazy give me just real sugar please hi there how are you it's eric erickson did you miss me the phone number is 877-973-7425 should you wish to be on this here program As I mentioned, as I teased you, as I dangled it over you, Hispanic voters are fleeing the Democratic Party. There are a series of stories 
we need to work through. I mentioned in the last half hour, I mentioned John Podesta is the founder of the Center for American Progress. John Podesta worked for the Clintons. He worked for Obama. He started the Center for American Progress, and and it was largely, most people presumed, a, a way to help Hillary Clinton and build some intellectual firepower for the left against the Heritage Foundation. It has decidedly drifted left in left and further left over time. The Center for American Progress, the entire time it has existed, has kept on its payroll someone I've mentioned several times here, Roy Texiera. Roy Texiera is probably one of the most prominent scholars at the Center for American Progress. He is a left-wing pollster. He believes that class divide explains most everything. He is not a populist. He's not a conservative. He's a progressive. He is socially liberal. He is fiscally liberal. He uh, wrote the book, The Coming Democratic Majority, that never came. In large part, if you read Texier's uh, advice, the Democrats would need to integrate a multi-ethnic coalition tied to the working class, and they would remain dominant. As word comes that John Podesta believes that Joe Manchin has single-handedly doomed humanity. Roy Texiera, who has been there as long as John Podesta has, is leaving. Where is he going? The American Enterprise Institute. Uh, Yes, AEI, a right-of-center think tank. Now, AEI, unlike Heritage and some of the other uh, conservative and libertarian think tanks, AEI notoriously uh, allows in a group of heterodox progressives to try to shake things up in the scrum and and keep the right-of-center guys sharp and on their toes and willing to debate. Texiera is moving there. Not because he's become a conservative, not because he's embraced um, Bush-style republicanism as, as the attack on AEI goes. Nope, he's still a progressive. He's still he's still on the left, but he's more at home among conservatives who are willing to entertain heterodox opinions than among the left who become so emotionally fixated on corpet causes that they can't figure out how to win. I mean, what is the definition of a threat to democracy? Definitionally, a threat to democracy is anything that prevents progressives from winning. That's where we are now. And Texera has had enough of it. He says he can't get attention there. They've all gone woke. Texeras, this is from Politico, Bill of Complaints will be a familiar one for many who followed the internal battles of the left. Politically, he says uh, the Democrats need to win culturally moderate voters if they're going to ever create the kind of coalition that can get their policies enacted. And personally, he's none too fond of the institutional dynamics that are driven by younger staff and embraced by higher ups afraid of a public blow up. This is a problem. To hear Texera tell it, cap the Center for American Progress, and the rest of Washington's institution-based left stopped being a place where he could do the work he wanted. The reason, he says, 
is the relentless focus on race, gender, and identity in historically liberal foundations and think tanks has made it hard to do work that looks at society through other prisms. It also makes people nervous about projects wherein they could be accused of giving short shrift to, short shrift to anti-racism efforts. Quote, I would say that anybody who has a fundamentally class-oriented perspective who thinks that's a more important lens and doesn't assume that any disparity is automatically a lens of racism or sexism or what have you, I think that perspective is not congenial in most left institutions. So you got to see the dramatic juxtaposition between Podesta, the founder of Center for American Progress, and Roy Texera, its leading scholar, where one says we're all doomed because Joe Manchin's not willing to go along with the climate change agenda. And Texera says, well, you're leaving a lot of people behind. Um, and I would say, I believe that Texera is right. And one of the reasons he's leaving is because of the faculty lounge atmosphere that has invaded the left. This reminds me of James Carville. Remember Carville's quote? Let me play you from this interview from Cars, uh, Carville uh, back in May of 2021. Now it doesn't hunt on, on, on several levels. First of all, it, it sounds, I call it the fact politics of the faculty lounge. And in my view, if you want to, in politics, you should speak the language of the people. You should speak clear, direct English and address people as they address each other, not like the humanities department at Amherst wants you to address everybody. <laughs> I mean, I, is this, this the is kind simple. of an issue? Is this, is this the kind of an issue, James, that is impossible to poll because people are going to lie to a pollster, but when they go in there and they close that curtain, they're going to do what they want to do? I don't have to poll, all right? After the 2020 congressional elections, there was a huge eruption in the Democratic caucus where people correctly pointed out that this whole defund the police stuff cost us congressional seats. I can look at the voting results in, in the Rio Grande Valley. I can look at the voting results in Miami-Dade. I can relate conversations that I have with people every day. People don't want to live like this, scared to, to address an issue because it, it might come out the wrong way. and. It, no one is using their language except for, you know, some of our people on television. If you go to, and if you need wokeness, just go listen to NPR. Yeah, I, I leave it out on my truck radio, so I'll never fall asleep. <laughs> that was James Carville, the the language of the faculty lounge. So back to Texera, who who captures this. With some data, my friend Patrick Graffini runs Echelon Insights, and, and they do a lot of data capture, data analysis, and polling. And interestingly enough now, there are three polls in a row that show uh, Hispanic preference on the generic ballot. Who do you want in charge of Congress? A Democrat or Republican is tied for the first time. Biden, by the way, has an 80% disapproval in some polls within the Hispanic community. Now, Allow me to read from some of Texera. It is difficult to avoid the conclusion that Democrats' emphasis on social and democracy issues while catnip to some socially liberal, educated, white, he doesn't say that, but white voters, leaves many working class and Hispanic voters cold. 
Their concerns are more mundane and economically driven. This is despite the fact that many of these voters are in favor of moderate abortion rights and gun control and disapprove of January 6th. So he takes uh, data compiled by Echelon Insights that I was mentioning and several other polling. And and I want to read you where the uh, rich, white, progressive atheists diverge from the center-left coalition. Listen, number one. America is not the greatest country in the world versus America is the greatest country in the world. Progressives by 66-28 agree America is not the greatest country in the world. By 70-30, Hispanics say America is the greatest country in the world. And working class white voters, 69-23, say America is the greatest country. Racism is built into our society, including into its policies and institutions, versus racism comes from individuals who hold racist views, not from our society and institutions. Progressives, 94 to 6, 94% to 6%, 94% of progressives believe racism is built into our society. Hispanic voters disagree. 58% believe racism comes from individuals not from our society and institutions. The working class, 57%. The government should deal with illegal immigration by making it easier to immigrate versus the government should deal with illegal immigration by increasing border security and enforcement. 97% of progressives believe we should be making it easier to immigrate here instead of enacting border security. With Hispanics, they're split. 44 want more border security, 47 easier immigration. The working class... 58% for border security. Now, get this one. Transgender athletes should be able to play on the sports team that matches their current identity versus transgender athletes should only be allowed to play on sports teams that match their birth. Progressives 66 to 19 say let them play on the team they identify with. Hispanics 64-22 say uh, they got to go on the team that they're born, the gender dictates. Same with the working class. We need to reallocate funding from police departments to social services versus we need to fully fund the budget for police departments. 87 to 12, progressives say defund the police. Hispanic voters, 50 to 41, fund the police. Blue-collar voters, 59, 31, fund the police. And now the last one, get this one. Hard work and determination are no guarantee of success for most people versus most people who want to get ahead can make it if they're willing to work hard. Progressives believe 88 to 12% that hard work and determination are no guarantees of success. 55, 39, Hispanic voters believe hard work can get you success. 55, 40, the working class believe hard work can get you success. In other words... The rich, white, atheist progressive is hostile in worldview to the worldview of Hispanic immigrants to this country and to the working class. Not only that, according to CNN today, Republicans are doing better with women after the Supreme Court decision on Dobbs than they were before it. 
Democrats are increasingly likely to be the party of upscale white voters concerned about gun control and abortion rights. Republicans are building this multiracial, multiethnic coalition. Black and Hispanic voters are trending to the GOP. It's because the Democrats are captured by the wokes. A federal judge has blocked the Biden administration's guidance that would prohibit discrimination based on gender identity and sexual orientation. A Trump-appointed judge, Charles Ashley in the Eastern District of Tennessee, in an order late Friday, said the agency's guidance directly interferes with and threatens the state's ability to continue enforcing state laws that restrict transgender people from playing on sports teams and using bathrooms that conform to their gender identity. The Biden administration wants to allow boys into girls' bathrooms and boys into girls' sports. The public is opposed. Hispanic voters are opposed. The only people who want it are the rich white progressives. The Biden administration is captured by them. A federal judge has told them they're not allowed to do it. How did the New York Times cover this issue? Here's the headline, federal judge temporarily blocks enforcement of LGBTQ protections. A federal judge on Friday temporarily blocked the Biden administration from enforcing directives that extended civil rights protections to LGBTQ students and workers. Notice their framing here. It's a setback for civil rights. The rich white progressives who read the New York Times believe it that way. The rest of America does not. Meanwhile, University of Pennsylvania has been slammed, as has the Ivy League, for pushing for Leah Thomas to be named the Woman of the Year. Leah Thomas is the man who swims on the women's team at the University of Pennsylvania. And the Ivy League is pushing for Leah Thomas to be named uh, NCAA Woman of the Year despite being a man who still has his male sexual reproductive organs. Never cut it off. Still has it. These sorts of things are anathema to Hispanic voters, to working class voters, to Christian voters, to black voters, to Asian American voters. But the faculty lounge pushes these things, as James Carville says. The faculty lounge pushes these things. And that's why so many people are moving to the GOP. But there's a problem. The Democrats, the progressives, are a minority group in this country who believe that they are the majority. They misread the 2012 election with Barack Obama against Mitt Romney, were convinced the country was moving to the left as a result of it, were convinced they were the dominant party. Look at Donald Trump losing the popular vote to Hillary Clinton. Look at Joe Biden getting the popular vote against Donald Trump. They're convinced they're the majority of the country. They're convinced that anything that withholds their power is bad. They're convinced that they are the dominant force in this country. They control the cultural institutions. They control the media. They control the universities. They control Hollywood. They control the Democratic Party. By God, they're dominant. And anything that stands in their way is bad. And oh, what's this? The Southern Poverty Law Center in a poll of Democrats found 44% of Democratic men under the age of 50 believe assassinating a politician who is harming the country or our democracy is acceptable. We're headed towards someplace very bad with the progressives in this country. Someone needs to do an intervention and do it quickly.
I was so wound up at everything I was talking about. Uh, Jim was telling me Eden Pure. Don't forget about Eden Pure. I forgot about Eden Pure, but I didn't actually forget about Eden Pure because I had one with me when I was in Las Vegas. Because, you know, Las Vegas sometimes, well, there's a smell out there these days. I didn't have to use it, but I had it in my suitcase just in case. The Eden Pure Thunderstorm, I travel with this thing. You can hold it in your hand, plug it into your wall, or use a USB cord to power it, and it will wipe out odors. I use it in my kitchen when I'm frying in the house, particularly if I'm frying like seafood and stuff, because, you know, seafood frying in the kitchen kind of smells up and we don't have an exhaust vent. So I use the Eden Pure and it wipes out those odors. And it also gets rid of the pollen and the mold and the dust that float in the air. And you just wipe it out. Um, it's it's filterless. You don't have to get a subscription for the filters. You can get a three pack right now for less than $200 by going to EdenPureDeals.com, EdenPureDeals.com. And you get three of them for less than $200. You're saving $200 and you get free shipping. It's EdenPureDeals.com. The discount code is ERIC3. When you go to EdenPureDeals.com, you'll see a, a box and it says, what's your code? You put in ERIC3, E-R-I-C-K-3. Click through. You'll get three Eden Pure Thunderstorms for less than $200. You'll get free shipping. You can clean the air in your house. EdenPureDeals.com. Now, the media has lost its mind over Joe Biden going to Saudi Arabia. Biden's fist bump with MBS was a crass betrayal. That's Mohammed bin Salman. It's not a stretch to say this from the Washington Post that when Saudi Prince, Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman began his ascent to power in 2015, he made his mark through fear and repression. He launched a bloody war in Yemen kidnapped the Lebanese prime minister, blockaded Qatar, imprisoned critics, and most notoriously orchestrated the operation that murdered post-contributing columnist Jamal Khashoggi. On the campaign trail, Biden promised he would hold Saudi Arabia accountable for its crimes and make the country a pariah. Instead, he made him a pal and gave him a fist bump. How dare Biden fist bump a monster? You know, had Joe Biden allowed the domestic production and refining of oil in this country, he wouldn't have had to do that. But you people believe humanity is doomed already because of fossil fuels. There's no way you would have let him do it. So he's forced to do this. Damned if he does, damned if he doesn't. But it was the right thing for him to do. Saudi Arabia is a strategic partner. And he never should have gone out on a limb and called him a pariah to begin with. 